Welcome back, everyone, to the House of Hustle podcast here on Sports Radio 810. We are presented, as always, by our friends at Charlie Hustle, as well as Capital Investment Management. A big thank you to Chase and Greg over at Charlie Hustle, as well as David Garrison over at Capital Investment Management. I'm Jared Sutton, joined, as always, by my co-host, Stephen St. John. And, Stephen, it's March 1st. It's go time. NCAA tournament is nearing. Uh, we got some big-time college basketball coming up. The madness begins here soon. March Madness is in full effect, and uh, it's very exciting because we've got lots to talk about. And uh, But you know what? It was cool because last uh, episode, we spent a little bit of time talking about women's basketball, and that got a pretty good response. And so, uh, you know, why not start there? Because yep. there's a couple of uh, interesting stories right now. We started with Caitlin Clark last time. We'll start again with Caitlin Clark. She makes the announcement that uh, she is uh, not going to come back for another year at Iowa, and uh, that would have been her COVID year. Yep. Uh, instead, she's going to uh, advance to the WNBA, where she will be the number one overall pick by Indiana. Uh, and some people were joked, yeah, she's going to take a huge pay cut by yeah. going to the WNBA. But all of those endorsements will follow her <laughs> to the pros, uh, and also she'll get a lot more. But the question I have for you is, you know, clearly, the, the, you know, at least from, from my perspective, women's college basketball seems to be more popular than WNBA. You know, it certainly gets yeah. more you yeah. know, you know, on SportsCenter, on ESPN, more talk about it, the, the tournament. She has elevated women's college basketball and the interest in it, right? Yep. Can she do that to the WNBA? Like, what? Because what? she's going to go with, you know, a bunch of great players, yeah. right? Even better, at a higher level of basketball. But can can she, can she do for the WNBA what she's done for women's college basketball? Yes, the the answer is yes. Uh, in my opinion, I I, I kind of look back to the you know Davidson days with Steph, and Steph didn't go number one overall, obviously, but everybody was aware of his overall game, and I don't think we thought Steph was going to be you know the face of the league like we've seen Steph now as a Hall of Famer, greatest shooter of all time. But I think with with Caitlin right now her game translates automatically um, right away. She will be the number one, one overall pick. Is that um, a good market for her to go to? I mean, Indiana's yeah, absolutely. It's a basketball crazy, right? It's a basketball state. So um, it seems like that's, that's yeah. a match made in heaven. Indiana basketball is like Texas football, right? It's very similar to that. Um, and I, I do think there's a, there's reasons why she's foregoing her COVID year because she knows she's going to be the number one, number one overall pick. And I, I think she's wants to go play in Indiana. Um, I think she's, ready to kind of take that next step, her numbers, her production, all her accomplishments. I, I know she wants to win a national championship to kind of put the, the cherry on top this year. But, um, yeah, she'll she'll be the number one overall pick. And I do think she can elevate the WNBA game because of, right now, the focus and attention that surrounds her. I mean, she makes this decision and has a press conference, and it's everywhere, right? Everybody wants to know, you know, what she's, what she's doing. Um, I think this was kind of looming around. So I think timing wise to do it now, I thought she'd wait for the end of the year. Um, so she wanted to get ahead of it. She does it now. And to your point, all these endorsements and sponsors, they're going to follow her. You know, it's, it is, she's leaving the NIL space, but it's not like things are going to, you know, change for her in terms of her uh, financial incentives to, to play at the next level. And the WNBA is, is hungry for her to get there. Um, she adds a different dimension. She's highly competitive. I think we kind of missed on that uh, last time. We were talking more about her skill and her game and how she impacts the the game on the floor. But I think just her competitive nature, um, she's a winner at heart. And 
I, the number one overall pick. She'll be a number one overall pick that everybody's going to follow uh, and and see how she does the WMEA game. But it, it will elevate the game, the competitiveness. Um, and when she gets to the league, all those WNBA players know that she's the face of, of women's basketball. And I think they're just going to elevate everybody at the next level. All right, so that takes us to the next uh, topic from women's basketball. And and she might be next yeah. as the face of women's basketball. Juju Watkins at USC. And I was uh, looking at some videos a little bit earlier today of fans lined up after practice for like an hour, waiting just to take pictures with her and get autographs. Same thing after games, the number of 30-point games she's put up. Uh, she's just a freshman. Uh, so for people that aren't familiar with her game, tell people uh, about Juju Watkins. Yeah, she's a absolute bucket getter. Um, very dynamic off the bounce. She can shoot it. Um, she's a great athlete. And I think on this, the, the USC team she's on um, has to do a little bit of everything, just like Caitlin. Um, her volume is probably higher than Caitlin's in terms of she has to shoot the ball a lot, but she can also get her own shot at any time. Um, she's just very good at separating and creating her own shot. Um, her efficiencies are pretty solid in terms of how much how much attention gets put on her um, from defenses. She's shooting around 42 from the field and 35 from three. It's not bad. She's a freshman, um, and she's averaging 28 points a game, seven rebounds, two and a half steals. Um, so impacting the game, similar to Caitlin, she's kind of following in those footsteps um, so for a freshman to be doing what she's doing, uh, she doesn't play like a freshman, um, and she's got just an advanced, advanced skill set. And I think this is what's great about the women's game is, you know, with Caitlin and Juju, I mean, Juju's kind of just waiting in the wings. Once Caitlin goes to the WNBA, she's going to take over that that pedestal of being the best player in the women's college basketball game. Um, and it'll be fun to follow her as she continues to, you know, go through her career because she's a talent. Um, and if you get a chance to watch her play or watch even some of her clips and highlights, she's different um, in so many ways, just like Caitlin was as a freshman. Um, so it's exciting to see where the women's game is at. I mean, we're talking about two premier talents, and they're not even in the WNBA yet, and there's still so many great players at the WNBA level um, that had you know this type of experience in college. But these two players we're talking about are, are just different in terms of, like we said in our last podcast, the modern-day game, the modern-day skill set, the footwork, the ball handling, uh, the ability to score it in so many different ways, the ability to shoot it, the creation, being able to create their own shot, be able to create for others, like just putting their imprint on a basketball game in so many ways where you, you watch them and think, that's the best player on the floor, and it's consistent, and that's how Juju is. All right, we have uh, several topics to get into, but one of them I'm going to throw a curveball here at you because I got to mention my alma mater, the Kansas City Ruse. Okay. They are having a season that not enough people are paying attention to and recognizing right now. Okay. Uh, they just came off of a big road win at Denver, and, of course, they're in the Summit League. And uh, the UMKC men's basketball program, that's a, that's a program that I covered as a sports editor for the U News Back in the day at, at uh, UMKC, I was a student manager for uh, head coach Lee Hunt. Uh, and when I was in school there, they had Tony Dumas. And Tony Dumas ended up being a first-round draft pick. And if they would have been affiliated with the conference back then when Dumas was there, they were an NCAA tournament quality team. Mm. But they just didn't have a conference affiliation. So now it's all these years later, they still haven't made an NCAA tournament. So after their win now, they have won five games in a row. They are 9-6 and six in the conference. 
uh, and their conference, uh, their final conference game is coming up Sunday at Oral Roberts. And Oral Roberts is only five and ten in the conference, so the Ruse will be favored to win. They can end up ten and six in the conference. And right now, because the tiebreakers are in second place, so if they win on Sunday, they can wrap up the two seed in the Summit uh, League tournament. And the number one seed is South Dakota State. They're eleven and four right now. Well, uh, the Ruse just beat them a couple of weeks ago. And usually, and you know this in the Summit League, there's Sometimes there's, there's there's usually like one team that's like fifteen and one, yeah, that right, just, that, right. and then no one's beating them in the tournament. Well, that's not the case this year, and the Ruse just beat the number one seed, and they're the hottest team in the conference, and they're going to go into, I mean, this I think this I don't remember ever saying this, they're going to go into the conference tournament with a legitimate chance to win it and go to the NCAA tournament. So Marvin Menzies in his second year deserves a massive amount of credit, uh, and and if you want. Coming up next week, hopefully, we can get uh, their assistant coach, Joe Esposito, who uh, was an assistant under Tubby Smith at a couple of stops. Great guy, great recruiter. Uh, and his, 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 his uh, what he's been, he's been saying, you know, his mantra at, at, at UMKC has been, bam, building a monster. Mm. And so in their second year, they made all these leaps and bounds. That's that's pretty damn cool. Absolutely, they could actually make the NCAA tournament, and they're they're a contender, and uh, they're going to finish in hopefully in second place in the in the conference. That's why it's such an interesting time right now because it's March first, and there's still you know plenty of ball ahead in terms of before we get to the NCAA tournament. And with that, these type of leagues that that's you know cool. have that conference tournament where so much is riding on the conference tournament, and the summit is wide open. And UMKC is playing their best ball at the right time, which to me is the most important thing of it all is that you're playing your best ball as you kind of lead up to the conference tournament. Um, and UMKC is as hot as anybody and dangerous. So, yeah, congrats to Coach Menzi in year two to be where they're at. This is exciting. I know you're fired up. I know your family's probably fired up as well. I was going to so. say this. Well, I shouldn't say, maybe, maybe, who knows? If I'm feeling right, maybe if they make it to the conference championship game, me and uh, and fellow uh, Rue Phil St. John might hop in a car and drive up there because Father Son Road Trip. If, if, they, if they're playing in a conference championship game with a chance to go to the NCAA tournament game, I better be there. You better be there. I, I'm, I'm fully supportive me, of this. Me and my kangaroo pouch <laughs> will be there ready to support. Okay, so let's let's move on to some other topics. So, by the way, Rue up. Rue Thank up, you. baby. Let's go. Um, Kansas Jayhawks. Mm. They, they saw their 19 game home winning streak snapped. By the uh, the men of BYU, right? Yeah. Um, and so, look, we have seen Kansas struggle on the road this year. So it was it was it was still it was startling to see him lose at home. Yeah. But Kevin McCullers out, mm-hmm. and now that's kind of up in the air whether he's going to come back or not. And he's he's a great player, but even with them, they're still a thin team. Without him, you see they have their issues, and now they got to go to Baylor. Um, it's bizarre. With a couple of weeks left, with three games left, they're out of it. Yeah. I, and, I've, I, and I'll ask you: Has that ever happened? We were trying to rack our brains thinking about that. Have they? Have they ever just been out of the conference race with a couple of weeks left under Bill Self? No, I, I think a couple of years back, I remember them going through like a three-game losing streak, but they were still in it. Um, and then they got back into it at the very end because a couple teams dropping games. So, and right now, I, I just don't see. Houston losing and the loss to BYU pretty much. Houston's got a three game lead over Kansas yeah, with three that, to play. That pretty much sealed, sealed it um, against BYU at home. And, and you got Iowa State in between them. So, and, and, and I mean, 
I mean, Kansas got to go to Baylor. Tough place to play. Um, and we'll see about Kevin. There's the the talk around Kevin is it, can he be somewhat healthy enough to get through the rest of the season? He's got to be ready for the NCAA tournament. That's most important. Um, there was talk about is he going to shut it down for the rest of the regular season and, and wait for the postseason? Now there's a chance he might play against Baylor. Um, I know he wants to be on the floor. Like he doesn't want to sit out games, especially when you watch your team lose a game and you know you're the, one of the best players on the team. It's a different mental, you know, conversation to be had. Um, if, if you want to get out on the floor and play, especially with a guy like Kevin, he's going to put himself in there regardless if he's healthy or not. Um, but you just don't want to see any setbacks, most importantly. That would be worst-case scenario. Because I do think Kevin takes pressure off of others uh, because of how he impacts the game on both ends of the floor. They need him defensively for sure. They need him offensively to attack. Um, but being at that BYU game and seeing that upset – I mean, it felt like Kansas was in control for much of the game, but BYU never wavered. Give them credit. Like, they're they're a newcomer to the Big 12. It's their first game at Allen Fieldhouse. They step on the floor, and it's like, don't judge a book by its cover, right? Because you, you look out and you think, okay, Kansas has the size advantage. Kansas has the athleticism advantage, um, the length, all these different, different traits. And then the game gets going. BYU ran some great actions. And look, I mean, and, and some teams it was are, fun to watch. Some teams are beat before they even get on the floor because right. they're intimidated. Right. And uh, and sometimes ignorance is bliss. Yeah. You know, they're new in the conference, so they, yeah. hey, here we are at Allen Fieldhouse. They're not, they haven't gone through all this. Yeah. And so maybe that helped them from, like you said, not, not being intimidated or not, you know, being able to keep their composure even though, there were a couple of times Kansas got it up to an 11 point lead mm-hmm. and they go, okay, there it is. Mm-hmm. Right, there it is. Mm-hmm. But they, they never wavered. Yeah. They never wavered. And yeah, the, the double digit deficits, you thought, okay, this is where Kansas walk goes away with it. And KU's probably look thinking we missed free throws. They missed some bunnies around the rim. Uh, they, they weren't great in the second half to close the game out. Um, you know, I think BYU give them credit. Like they stayed in the game in the rebounding ca- category. They were only minus three on the glass. I thought they would get destroyed on the glass. Uh, and they were right around that. The difference in the game, and I think this is something that, you know, we talked about going into the season with Kansas, is just three-point shooting and three-point volume. Um, if you look at the box, BYU shot 38% from three. They were 13 to 34. Uh, so 34 attempts. Kansas only had 15 attempts. They only made three threes. Um, that's a discrepancy of 10 threes. That's the difference in the game of why BYU was in the game is three-point shooting. They made, made shots, and it was almost like I was with my, my boss watching the game, and it was almost like anybody that BYU put on the floor was a threat from three, even their bigs. And they have bigs that can pass. They're very unselfish. Their actions are great. They bring a guy off the bench in Jackson Robinson who can really score it. He's probably their best athlete. He's a sophomore guard. Um, so I just would not want to face BYU in the NCAA tournament. Because they, they, BYU struggled really bad against Kansas State. Um, so you thought, well, BYU gets, you know, K-State kind of handles them. Then they go to, to Kansas, and BYU looked like a different team. So BYU has been up and down in Big 12 play, but they're still as dangerous as anybody because they value the three-point shot. They have very much a modern-day approach with their offense, and they have bigs that, yeah, might not be a, that athletic, might, need, might not be that big, but very skilled, can pass. Passing bigs are so valuable in today's game, and you saw that in the BYU-Kansas game. All right, so uh, you mentioned Kansas, the three games behind Houston. Uh, we still have a race. It's it's Houston, yep. 
at 12 and three and Iowa State at 11 and four. Um, and but we we brought up and, and Houston's got to go to Oklahoma. That's that's not a given. And Iowa State's got to go to UCF and UCF has wins over Texas Tech, Oklahoma, and KU uh, at home. And so that's not a given. But uh, Houston's in the driver's seat, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we brought up this point. I'm, I'm, you, you go all over the nation scouting and, and watching college basketball. be honest with you, it's their first year in the conference. I'm not really familiar with the Houston fan base and how they support their mm-hmm. team. But you've got the Big 12 tournament coming up in Kansas City. If there was ever a year you were going to – drive 11 hours, or make the flight up from Houston. It's your first year in the Big 12 tournament. It's your first chance. I know they played in the NCAA tournament in Kansas City last year. But that's a different deal. You don't have that much time to, to plan and whatever else. Uh, you, you get to come to this unbelievable event that many people feel like is the best conference tournament as far as atmosphere, fan fest, everything. Yep. You're the, you're the number one seed, and maybe you start the Big 12 tournament as the number one team in the nation. Are they? Will they? Will there be a lot of Houston fans in Kansas City? Because I just I don't know enough about their fan base. Yeah, I I think so. Um, I mean, wouldn't like if you were like and and, and their their spring break coincides right. with the Big Twelve tournament, right? Like if you're a Houston student, wouldn't you hop in a car and just drive up here? I yeah. mean, it, it's funny. I my uh, my aunt and uncle live down in Houston, and the huge basketball fans, and uh, they've kind of gotten behind this Houston Cougar team. They're coming up to Kansas City for the tournament. There um, it is. So they they want to be around it. I think Houston fans will travel. Um, I was down there for one of their games against Texas at home in the Fertitta Center. It was packed, loud. Everybody's pretty excited about what they're doing. First year in the Big 12. They've had, obviously, a great program um, under Coach Sampson. He's really turned it around, and they've been a good team uh, under his direction. But where they are right now is a, a real and, – and look, in the big picture of the men's game right now, you know, I think UConn and, and Purdue, yeah, those are two teams that probably get talked about a lot uh, of being real title contenders. Houston's right there. Um, their defense is one, if not the best defense in the country. I think it is the best defense in the country uh, by how they can guard um, in different ways. And Jamal Shedd is playing at an All-American level as a point guard. Um, he is a force to be reckoned with. Uh, and they got LJ Cryer from Baylor. So they're, they're just a team that's fun to watch. Coach Sampson is an excellent coach. Um, they are just a great basketball team, and they're probably not as talented maybe as some other teams, but they're still um, guys that, number one, are bought into each other, and they play the right way. They found ways like the Baylor game, had a big lead, lost that lead, um, and find a way to win in overtime. Um, they're battle-tested, and I think that's what makes this tournament and – just like any conference tournament, there's going to be some teams that need some wins in the Big 12 tournament, which always makes tournament the conference tournament so much fun. Is there's a lot of games that matter to teams, even if they're not at the top. And the Big 12 is, you know, without a doubt, probably the best conference in college basketball. The SEC is probably right behind it. Um, and there's a lot of teams and a lot of conversation of how many teams from the Big 12 will get in the dance. Um, and that's going to all kind of come to fruition in Kansas City. So K-State's one of those teams that's yeah. probably going to need some wins in Kansas City, or at least a win. So they have to play at Cincinnati. Yeah. They play at Kansas and then they come home to host Iowa State. Iowa State might be playing for at least a share of the Big 12 title, who knows. Yeah. Uh and so, you know, but but hey, KK, they could beat them at home. Um if there's no Kevin McCullough, that game in Kansas is all of a sudden interesting. No question. But at Cincinnati, that's tricky to 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 really feel good about their chances. How 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 much of a challenge is this going to be for them to go to Cincy? Because you feel like if if they win at Cincy, and they can win one of the next two games, 
then they might be good and yeah. come in and, and, and not just lay an egg uh, in, in Kansas City. Uh, so they put themselves back in position. What do you think about K-State and the work they have to do to get into the tournament? So I think, look, Cincinnati is is not a, a you know pushover or a walk in the park. It's not going to be a game where it's a road game. Uh, Coach Tang said it. It's going to be an NCAA tournament game to them. They have to have it, um, especially with what's ahead. They, re- they really need this win. The thing that's working in their favor, Cincinnati's lost three in a row. Um, now they did, I think, play pretty tough against Houston. Uh, they lost by eight to Houston, um, but they did lose at home um, to Oklahoma State. Lost by by four. Uh, it was a pretty bad loss for them. Um, their last win was was at UCF, um, which was a very competitive game. Kansas State has to. Kansas State is a team that going to Cincinnati, they should be the favorite in this game. Um, the question will be: Can they play consistently? Can they put forty games together? Can they close a game? Um, these are all the question marks we've had around them. Um, you know, they had a big lead against West Virginia at home, 25-point lead, and then they were great in the first half. In the second half, they looked like a shell of themselves. Uh, they stopped guarding. They stopped, you know, stopped doing what got them success in the first half. They're a good defensive team, and they need to kind of, you know, rest their laurels on that. They, they need to be that for 40 minutes. That's got to be most important. Um, you know, with Perry and Kaluma and Cam Carter, those are their top three. They have to be great. Every one of these games, like all, it's pressure for sure. But all three of those guys have to bring it. They they are too valuable. They, they all three of them. It can't just be one or two. All three of them, because all three of them play a significant role in them winning games. Point guard play, a defender, a versatile forward that can make threes and rebound. Like those those three impact the game every time for Kansas State, and they got to be consistent uh, to, to not just beat Cincinnati, but to ultimately do what they want to do. And that's make the NCAA tournament, not be on the bubble. You don't want to be on the bubble. They're going to have work to do in Kansas City regardless, I think. But they need this win at Cincinnati, no question. All right, rapid fire. I know we have uh, we still have games left. Big 12 player of the year right now. Oh, man. Um, I'm leaning probably Jamal Shedd mm-hmm. with everything. I, I just think he's too valuable, and it's why Houston is where they are. SEC player of the year. SEC Player of the Year, um, give me Dalton Neck from Tennessee. Okay. National Player of the Year. That will probably end up being, I would think, Zach Eady again. Yeah, I think I'd give the edge to Zach. Who's the best player that you've seen live? In college. In college. In college. Best this player. This year. I mean, Dalton Neck had just an incredible game um, at North Carolina Earlier in the year, he was fantastic. Um, R.J. Davis had 42 the other night. Um, that was one of the more unbelievable games, too, in terms of shot making. In terms of best player, it, it's tough to go off of because there's a lot of guys probably that fit this, this criteria. Isaiah Collier um, is probably the most like dynamic, like pro guard ready from USC. I think Kansas State fans would say that earlier in the year when they played USC. He was so great in that game. Um, I'd probably put Collier up there. Um, and he's been banged up. He's been hurt at different times. Uh, but it'd be tough. It'd be him or Dalton next up there for sure. Um, and then I, I do think Devin Carter has been excellent. I think he'll be Big East player of the year, should be Big East player of the year. Um, he's a great story, and he's had an incredible season. And it's with um, them losing their second best player to an ACL injury, and he's stepped up and just been excellent. And the Big East is a big-time league. And he's been great all year. 
All right, uh, we, uh, we've been focusing a lot on college basketball, but we have a special visitor that's watching us in the studio audience, our one-person studio audience, Phil St. John, and he demands NBA talk okay. when he's, uh, when he's live, and so uh, we'll give him that. It's a, it's a wild Western conference. Yeah. And so uh, handicap what's going on at the top of the Western conference for this wide-open battle for the number one seed. This is going to be fun to watch as you got you know the Timberwolves, the Thunder and the Nuggets are all within a game and a half of each other, and the Clippers aren't too far behind, four games out. And so this thing's going to go right down to the wire. Yeah, it's going to go right down the wire. And, I mean, there's, it's, it's great for the Western Conference because if you look right now, Minnesota and Oklahoma City being at the top, um, I think is great for the overall game, right? I mean, you got Minnesota, OKC, who's a small market. Um, you know, OKC and, and Minnesota both kind of went through some rebuilds, OKC for sure. Um, they have two of the premier young talents that could be the face of our league for a significant period of time. Uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who's playing at an MVP level, and then Ant-Man with Anthony Edwards, uh, who is just fantastic and you know was great with the USA team over the summer. Um, just a big-time talent, big-time scorer, all-star. Um, he's, he's just terrific. And then it starts getting into those teams that you know are going to be there. Um, the Denver Nuggets with Jokic, um, who is just a – problem total game changer um plays at an mvp level every game uh, it's just incredible to watch him play watch his impact as a forward his passing uh his scoring his rebounding his toughness um he's just a talent to watch uh so and denver obviously the champs uh jamal murray is healthy that's always been most important to denver is those two guys being on the floor at the same time and then those role pieces like mpj and, and aaron and th- those guys that really carried Denver to a title last year. Then it gets interesting because you got the Clippers with Kawhi and James and PG as dangerous as a team as there is in the West. And they're the four seed. And then you got the five with Durant and Bradley Beal and our boy Booker. Like, those, it's a scary big three. <laughs> Very scary big three. Uh, then you got us, the Pelicans, at six right now. Um we're a deep team. We're a team that I think is just as dangerous as anybody as well. Uh, Zion and Brandon are playing at a big-time level. CJ uh, is such a great vet, scoring scoring guard, can play both the one and the two. Um, great young players in Trey Murphy and Herb Jones. Um, Herb's been excellent, um, has been shooting the ball at such a high level, should be first-team all defense. Um, and so, you know, we, we're excited about where we are in the West. But it's just funny, if you look at the four playing teams, I mean, Warriors, Lakers, Kings, and Mavericks. Anybody that's up in that top six, if the season were to end today, you can just throw seating out the door. Because whoever gets through the play-in, every playoff series is going to be fantastic. Regardless of of really what the seating is. Um, Those three teams at the top, Minnesota, OKC, Denver, with the plus 40 wins, those three teams have probably been the most consistent all year. They've been able to stay healthy for the most part. L.A., Phoenix, ourselves in New Orleans, and then Dallas, Sacramento. Like the, those, We've kind of been jockeying for positioning all year with those teams. And then you never want to sleep on LeBron and Steph. Yeah, LeBron, they're, that, they're, they're the 9 it, and 10 seats. It's just wild. So um, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think we were, we're around 20 games left for every team. It's a sprint to, to early April when the regular season concludes. Um, so with so much going on in the NCAA tournament, and right now with college, it's so exciting – but really, like this is such an important stretch for all these teams in the West because it just feels like every night, every game matters in terms of your positioning. Um, you don't want to be in the play-in. 
Uh, the play-in is exciting. It's a great opportunity for teams to try to crack that 7-8 seed line. Um, it is kind of that wild card feel to it. You don't want to be in the play-in, and right now it's just every game, All the, whether you're at the 4 line or the 9 line, that can change every night of where you are right now in the standings. So it's going to be a lot of fun in, in, in this sprint to April. You know who I'm rooting for? The New Orleans Pelicans. Besides the Pelicans? Who you got? Whoever plays the Lakers. <laughs> I think we might That's say the true. same thing. That's, I think we might say the same it's thing. It's just true. Yeah. But just go yeah. go Pelicans. Go Pelicans. Um, so, so this is going to be, uh, uh, I guess you, you call it, uh, interesting and busy time for you. Yeah. And so tell people what your upcoming schedule is. Because your travel, your your travel itinerary is madness uh, in March. And yeah. So you got a lot coming up. So where are you going now? Uh, so let's see. I, I go. I'm gonna go see Ole Miss play at Mizzou just to to see Ole Miss. I haven't seen Ole Miss play oh, yet there. this year. So I'll be in Columbia. Mizzou um, is gonna win their first conference game. Let's go. Because Jared Sutton is let's in go. attendance. Let's hope so. I've said it now. Mizzou no only lost by three at Ole Miss. Uh, Dennis Gates is going to tell the team that Jared Sutton is there, and they will win by four. How about that? I mean, we'd be talking about a Mizzou win on the pod, maybe? Who knows? But then, so after that— uh, Like we always wanted to. Like we always wanted to. I'll go um, NC State next week and um, go to Pitt for the first time. So I'm really excited about going to Pitt. They play Florida State. That'll be a good one. And then NC State-Duke. So those are like my two last games— before I'll go K State Iowa State next weekend, and then oh, it's yeah. and then it's Pac-12 uh, tournament Mountain West and the WCC for me, uh, which I'll be out in Vegas for quite a while, long haul there. But um, how long will you be in Vegas? I think it's eight days. That's not good. That's not good. You know, that's not good. It needs, to be, it needs to cut off like every year. I, yeah, exactly. Every year I kind of try, like how can I avoid being there for that long? But it just I you can't. go to the Sphere. I, I would like to go there. I would I, like to go right. in this. I've been around the sphere. I've never been inside. It'll be the a sphere. big basketball during the. You know, Absolutely. They, I don't know. If that My is. favorite thing is when you were in a car and have to drive in Vegas and everybody just stops right. on the road. Does it cause accidents? Yeah, you know, but it's fine. All right. Well, so now we've been a little lax in uh, naming our hustlers of the month. Yep. And man, oh man, are there some candidates out there? Yep. So who have you had your eye on? Because Charlie Hustle wants to know who the hustlers of the month are. Yeah. So our two, I'm going to have co, you know, co co uh, hustlers of the month here. I'm going to go with Devin Carter, who just took touch on um, at Providence, uh, and then Dalton Neck uh, to Tennessee. So, for those that don't know, Dalton Neck just had 39 points um, the other night uh, in a win at home, big-time win against Auburn, um, and he is a absolute killer. I mean, just he's a great story because he's a transfer um, and came to Tennessee, and he's about 6'9". He's kind of combo forward. Think kind of Gordon Hayward esque. Um, you know, he's a very good shooter, very good athlete, um, and he has just been the best player in the SEC on a consistent basis. Um, now Kentucky's got a lot of guys too that are very good. Um, they're a dangerous team, but Dalton Neck has been excellent all year. Um, Thirty point games. Um, he's the top of the scouting report and just has so much to his game, um, and he's tough as nails too. Like competes, plays hard. He's a great story, too. Both these guys are older players, but they're just dominating their leagues, and it's the SEC and the Big East, and they're both very good. And these two guys were kind of off the radar. Uh, Devin, not so much. Devin was an excellent defender uh, in the Big East, but now both these guys are just scoring the ball at a high, high level, and they should be National Players of the Year in their leagues. Uh, Devin Carter is long. He's shooting the ball so much better than he was uh, in his previous seasons at Providence. Um, credit to our boy Kim English, 
uh, and the job he's done with Devin, um, who's just become a totally different player. Um, and give Devin a lot of credit. This is a guy that you know has basketball in his bloodline, um, hard worker, relentless worker, and has become the player he is. I mean, he's he's better off the bounce, can finish at the rim, his shot making um, from deep, and I mean, he's just been kind of an eye opener all year. I saw him play at Marquette. They got beat pretty good at Marquette. Um, but Devin just, he's, the ball's got to be in his hands so much. And he's, he was more off the ball last year. And now he's just kind of putting it all together. His offensive game, his defensive game, highly versatile, um, and really going to be an interesting player at the next level as well. And you mentioned, uh, Kim English in Providence. I mean, Devin Carter's the kind of kid you want to see in the NCAA term to see what he could do. Yeah, no doubt. They're, they're right there. Yep. I know they've, they've got to play, uh, they got to play Georgetown. They've got a game coming up against Villanova. And then they get that last, you know, big chance uh, against UConn. Yeah. And so they have the opportunity still to make the NCAA tournament. It would be great to see a kid like Devin Carter in there. But how awesome would it be for our man Kim English in his first year at Providence to guide them into the NCAA tournament? They're, 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 I've seen them as the last team in. I've seen them the first four out. Mm-hmm. But hopefully they could pick up a couple of wins and – and solidify their spot in the NCAA tournament. That would be awesome. It'd be great. I mean, especially when you Bryce Hopkins uh, was a great player that had returned to Providence. He's a Kentucky transfer. Um, it was going to be basically Bryce and Devin kind of carrying the the, the the load for Providence and being those two like kind of combo duo um, for Providence. And then Bryce goes down with the injury, um, probably a, you know month and a half, two months ago. And then it's been all Devin, and they're still in a really good spot. They're still an 18-win team, and that says a lot um, because when you lose one of your best players and a player at the forward position who could play the four and the five, kind of small ball five, but mostly a four that could make shots, that could play on the post, that rebounds. Uh, he's one of the better players in the Big East, and you lose a player like that. So it's all on Devin. And some, Josh Odora stepped up and played well. Ticket Gaines has played really well. Um, so there's other guys that have stepped up for sure. Uh, but a lot of it has been on Devin. Um, and to be a 19-point-per-game scorer, eight rebounds a game, shooting 40 from three, 48 from the field, 73 at the line. I mean, he's been efficient throughout the, this process. And I think the the way that Kim has used Devin differently than maybe you know the previous regime really speaks to, I think, how Kim can coach. <laughs> he's a very good coach um, in terms of the modern-day game um, and different actions and you know, how to use different angles for players, um, different actions that they use on offense. And then defensively, um, they've been having to just withstand without Bryce. And um, that's not been an easy thing. But if they can get this done, and again, like you said, the big games ahead, games that are winnable for them. They've had some big wins this year. They're capable. Um, they're a team you want to see in the tournament. I, I think it would be fun for, De- for for all college basketball fans to see Devin Carter in, uh, in the NCAA tournament because – He's just been that good all year, and he deserves it. Um, he's Providence through and through, stayed at Providence through the coaching change. They love him in Providence, Rhode Island. I mean, Devin Carter is the guy. That fan base is awesome, too. They travel well. Um, so I'd love to see Providence in the tournament. It'd be great. And the Big East should have you know a few teams get in. It's a great league. It's not just UConn. We just touched on Creighton beating UConn last week. They got some really good teams that, sh- that should be in the, in the tournament. We covered a lot of ground there, and so uh, hopefully you enjoyed this episode of uh, House of Hustle. We've got a couple more weeks, and then the madness really kicks in. My man, you ready? I'm ready. I can't wait. It's going to be right. fun. He's got his game face on. And until next episode, remember, Kansas City is for hustlers.